Hi, Black Hollywood Live fans. Today on Justice is Served, we're talking Kim and Kanye versus Taylor Swift and more. Sad niggas that know me best. I feel like me and Taylor might still have sex. Why? I made that bitch famous. <laughs> I made that bitch famous. Oh, man. Oh, man. Well, uh, thanks to Kanye for that beautiful intro and the great story that follows, the great legal story that follows that. Welcome to Justice is Served. My name is Chelsea Galicia. I'm an attorney here with my co-host, Shaka Smith, also an attorney. And we're going to give you the latest on the legal stories of the week, starting with uh, the inspiration for that song. Uh, I guess Taylor Swift was... uh, I don't know. It's like a muse to Kanye. I don't know. But uh, it's fun when we get to talk about them in a a legal realm when these catfights escalate to something legal and we get to talk about it here. So apparently, and I feel like a little bit out of it because being in... Europe on a boat for a week. I <laughs> oh, you missed the major news, yeah. So I'll, I come back and I see that uh, Kim releases a snippet of a video where Taylor Swift appears to be approving of the very song that we just heard. Yeah, famous. Yeah, and uh, which would go up against Taylor Swift saying, "I didn't." approve of that song yeah we had a couple of months ago we had the song come out and uh taylor kind of came out against the song and she when she delivered her uh acceptance speech i forget what award show it was at the award show she talked about other artists taking credit um on the name of other people and so she was referencing kanye and a sort of beef had arisen and kanye went back and said wait a minute i got approval from taylor and so he didn't know where that was coming from As we know, in California, it's illegal to tape a confidential communication. And so that seemed to be the reason that Kanye had not released Taylor's approval. Apparently he hadn't passed that message along to his wife. Yeah, I don't know if, uh, or maybe if she got some legal counsel and said, forget about it, let's go to Snapchat. Um, But so Kim releases the audio where it does seem to appear that uh, Taylor Swift approves of these lyrics. But the the clip that was approved, or that was shared with the public was a very short clip and the conversation was about an hour or so long well taylor does so she in defense of her non-approval she says i never said the words that bitch where did i approve that bitch she put it on her instagram so that's the only part of the whole thing that she objects to that's what she's saying now um of course at the time it wasn't it was an objection to all of it. Where, but this clearly shows she, at the very least, she knew who was going to reference them having sex, which you would think would be almost the more objectionable. Yeah, that was pretty bizarre. Yeah, that's actually a very personal thing. Right, because when I heard her say, "Oh yeah, that's yeah. that sounds good," I was like, "What?" Whereas I that bitch w- is sort of kind of more commonplace in music, you know. <laughs> yeah, the, the, at least you know in hip hop music, you, referencing someone as a bitch is very commonplace. Whereas saying we might still have sex would seem to be more offensive. Yeah. Uh, but when you read the transcript. Um, there's a part of the transcript where Taylor lets him know, well, you can use any line you'd like. And we don't hear the other line that she's referring to. And later on in the transcript, she says something like, she says exactly, it's awesome that you're so outspoken about this and be like, yeah, she does. It made her famous. It's more provocative to say might still have sex because. This. So she acknowledges, even in the transcript, this line about... Um, being more famous, that something made her famous. Where, though he does not explicitly say the line to her, that bitch, um, I think 
given the fact that that's part of the same line. Well, it's... wasn't also part of the deal is that he was supposed to send her a copy of the song before it was released, and he didn't do that? Well, that's what she's saying. However, we don't have any proof of that. And it seems like she's heard at least another line or two of the song. So where did she hear that? Did she hear that through another a copy she did, in fact, receive? Or yeah. did she hear it from Kanye? But either way... Um, the question was, were they now going to be on the hook for releasing this recording of a confidential communication? So the laws on this vary state by state, but yeah. in California, it requires both parties. Two-party consent. Right. So the only exception to that is if one of the parties has like a reasonable, it's like a reasonable to know or suspect that there's other people listening in. And like, so, so yeah, confidential requires you to believe that the conversation you are having is private. If you believe it's a public conversation that can be overheard by other people, then it's no longer a confidential communication, which would take Kanye out of being in any violation of the law. And some people were quick to say, well, but there were other people in the Room. studio with Kanye. I don't know where yeah. he was at the time, but there was other people there and she should have she knew that there yeah. were other people there. Therefore, she had no sort of like expectation of privacy. Yeah, it's been reported by people that have listened to the entire tape. That Rick Rubin, another producer, jumps in on the conversation. You can overhear on on the tape other pr- people that are filming Kanye for this documentary that he was filming. They're also speaking on the tape. So Taylor Swift knew that, sh- and she knew she was on speakerphone. So she knew she wasn't having just a personal, private conversation with Kanye. And then I have seen the other side where she didn't know she was on speaker. Uh, no, the the full tape reveals that she was on speaker. Oh uh, well, then what I heard. <laughs> ignores that part so so in this it seems to me you're sort of team kanye yeah i mean it it does look that she absolutely approved these lyrics and certainly they're not in any um there's no legal ramifications for having released it so the the law what is not on her side you think you think she didn't have any reasonable expectation sort of privacy because there were other people on this call yeah given the fact that rick rubin jumps in given the fact that on the call you can actually hear other people that are filming um, this documentary chi- talk. But I thought that only a small portion of this was released. So only a small portion of it was released, but some news outlets have heard the entire tape. Got it. Okay. So I'm going to ask you guys something. Okay, yeah. please. That's uh, Stephen, our engineer. And I'm not really going to choose teams in this in this train of thought. <laughs> what if Taylor gave them permission to put the Snapchat out? Well, then oh, we yeah. would have zero story to talk about. I don't even mean yeah. that. I just mean, I mean, obviously she has case for a lawsuit here. But she hasn't filed charges. She would have been prepared to file charges. I mean, they, they aired the episode of Keeping Up with the Kardashians, which is solely based on this that they taped months ago. Well, she didn't file those charges because it was not a confidential communication. So any attorney that she went to would have told her, look, this doesn't fall, fall in the realm of confidential communication because based on what I've heard, you knew that other people were listening into the conversation. But and- my question is, from the, from the start, from, sorry, from sorry, her guys. Sorry, guys. and Kanye's relationship together it's been very abrupt media talking about outrage with one team versus another team from the vma awards where he originally grabbed the mic out of her Mm -hmm. hand and every other confrontation between these two people um to a certain point that i kind of at some point have to believe that some of this is pre-planned yeah i I don't disagree with you on that one and i think that was the issue i think what we had with kanye and taylor kind of did have a plan because she mentions in the on the call that it's going to be provocative that she'll be on the Grammy red carpet and let people know she was in on this the entire time, except except that part never happened. So she does say it'll be wonderful if people think I wasn't a part of it and then I get to actually go out in public and let them know, oh, no, this was a plan from the beginning. And she just kind of, I guess, reneged on that part of the idea. But I think it's going to be that again. I think it's going to be this was the plan from the beginning. 
It, it could be. But, Maybe. Uh, but, but I think uh, in, in uh, any event, it certainly did make Taylor Swift more famous, and this is making her more famous. But I think she's got a lot of a lot of bad press and a bad backlash from it. Yeah, I was kind of surprised and not in a good way about Taylor Swift with this whole story, especially now that you're telling me that she actually absolutely did know. I did not know that yeah. people had heard the rest of the audio because I was I had read that she was still considering pressing charges, and you can press charge both. Criminally and civilly. Yeah. Uh, for criminal, it's actually uh, called a wobbler, so it could be a misdemeanor or a felony based on how egregious it was. I can't imagine that this would be a felony level yeah. eavesdropping case. Um, but and the civil damages are really about three times whatever economic damages it cost Taylor Swift, which is pretty hard to measure, and it may not have yeah. damaged her at all. It may it, have helped her. It may have helped. At this point, the, you know, I, I, the backlash has been swift. <laughs> but um, so we'll see where, where her career goes after this. But it was certainly an interesting... I mean, even if she won civilly and they couldn't calculate her economic losses, it would be like $5,000. So this would yeah. all be a publicity yeah. stunt because $5,000 is not going to make a difference to anybody yeah. in this group of people. Um, so I, I'm, I think that this is probably going to be the end of it. I don't think we're going to cover this again yeah. because we hear that files were charges or complaint was filed. And yeah, I doubt there will the, be any charges. This is the state. end. They have, they have juiced well, I, this story so to the, the max. End, legally. Well, well, yeah, well, I'm sure there'll be plenty in the news. There you go. <laughs> All right. Uh, let's move on to, man, another officer in mm-hmm. the Freddie Gray death was acquitted earlier this week. This yeah. time, Judge Barry Williams, who is the same judge that's heard the three prior cases yeah. for the other three officers that have already been tried, uh, acquitted Lieutenant Brian Rice. And he solely acquitted him because this was another bench trial. Uh, Lieutenant Rice opted to have the judge alone decide this case rather than going to a jury. And uh, he, he was acquitted Um uh, we have, well, he had the three charges: involuntary manslaughter, yeah. reckless endangerment, misconduct in office. And it, this is a guy that shackled Freddie Gray's legs and did not put the seatbelt on him. And it was like the highest ranking person there. Yeah. He was the lieutenant there. Uh, he was on a bike patrol that morning yeah. when Freddie Gray he ran or- for. He orders two officers to follow Freddie Gray on on a bicycle for n- no reason, no reason whatsoever. The guy, you know, Freddie Gray was running, but there was no reason to actually be running after him. So the it, oh, gosh. It's surprising to me. I mean, I guess it can't be that surprising to me, this many uh, trials in and this many acquittals in. But I found the words of the judge pretty shocking. Yes. The rationale was really unbelievable to me. He basically said that the prosecution didn't prove that Lieutenant Rice knew that he had to strap him in. Yeah, so we had a new policy, and the new policy, because of the, the serious injury that could be caused when you don't... Because um, the city of Baltimore had had millions of dollars go yeah. out to other people who had been injured in these yeah. rough ride situations. Exactly, and so there's this a new policy. This lieutenant didn't know. And the judge is acquitting him, saying, you know, well, they did not show that he was aware of this new policy. But we know that when you have a duty, you don't need to be aware of the duty. A duty arises because of a certain uh, because of the situation you're in. Yeah, he said the court quote cannot be swayed by sympathy, prejudice or public opinion and in my opinion can't be swayed by common sense. Yeah. I just this one really 
frankly, pisses me off. And it really is a miscarriage of justice, I think. Yeah, I, I, it doesn't make any sense to me. Yeah, and just just the elements of involuntary manslaughter, just in case people don't know why we're so intense about it. It's an accidental killing. So that we have what looks to be an accident. Um, and an unlawful act or a negligent act that causes that accident or negligently failing to perform a legal duty. So all you need is a, an accidental killing and negligently performing to fail um, to perform a legal duty. Now, how does a judge determine this officer does not have a legal duty to strap Freddie Gray in when that is part of the new policy is designed to keep people from dying or de- uh, or injury? injury? Yeah, I I I don't know. It's it beyond make- me. Right. There was some reference to, you know, they they uh, shackled him. They put him in the van laying down on his stomach because they say he was um, he was combative. Exactly. So it was too difficult to put him on the bench. Either way, put him on a bench or laying him down when you're riding around for a long time and the manner that had to have been um, driving in order for him to sustain these injuries, because. We never heard specifically about how Officer Nero, was it Nero or uh, Porter? can't remember these. I can't keep these guys straight. The driver. Oh, okay. Um, exactly how he was driving, but it only makes sense that there had to be something uh, rough in yeah. order to cause these kinds of, of injuries. And then the judge was harping on the fact that this, uh, the medical evidence showed that the injury to his neck, to his spine, occurred sort of instantaneously during one big hit, that this yeah. wasn't something that slowly, gradually came on. Yeah. Like, that makes a difference. Yeah. It, it, it's just ridiculous to me. Uh, it, the fact that the judge... I mean, I could even see the scenario where you say he's too combative to put on the seatbelt, but the judge didn't stop there. The judge didn't say... That, and then you have to prove that the circumstances were such that it was impossible to put the seatbelt on him. But the judge didn't stop there. He said... The requirement was that they didn't show he was aware of these new policies. And that, to me, is just a miscarriage of justice. It's it's not any part of the law that I know where you have a duty. The duty does not require that you have actual knowledge. Yeah. And I guess we should have seen this coming earlier this month. The judge uh, granted a defense motion to toss out two of the charges that had originally been brought, uh, one for assault, claiming that the van was the uh, weapon in yeah. the assault, um, which had to have been um that got thrown out and then the misconduct in office charge got dropped and uh, and we we had reckless endangerment which i i thought okay if you don't get involuntary manslaughter certainly reckless endangerment you engage in conduct that creates a substantial risk of injury or death not strapping someone in and putting them in leg shackles it just makes no sense his death was ruled a homicide and then nobody killed him yeah I mean, I understand that there are such things as legal fictions, but we're getting a little carried away yeah. with that. Um, I, there are some uh, people calling uh, for the charges against the remaining officers to be dropped because all the other officers have been acquitted or one had a, a hung jury. Do you think that the rest of the charges for the other officers should be dropped or we should continue uh-huh. forward with these trials? I mean, almost personally, I think they should be dropped just to spare anyone any hope of, you know, possible justice in this case. It's almost it, it, it's almost cruel to pretend as if we have this legal system that's supposed to work when it just has not been. It's been completely failing Freddie Gray. Yeah, I I don't I feel mixed um, feelings about it. I, I 
for better or worse, I think we have to like go through this whole pomp and circumstance. Yeah, in actuality, we need to try to you know, con- you know, because at at least maybe it'll be in officers' minds from in the future that they'll at least face a trial. I, I don't know, especially with um, this particular judge. You know, you already kind of know the outcome because why would he want to then kind of overturn essentially his own precedent in this case? But you know, it's important for the process and the system that we go forward. But it's obviously just a cruel fiction that there's any justice to be had here. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, in other not so great news, we had police officers in Baton Rouge who mm. were killed. So while I was gone, we had the Dallas officers killed and then a similar style uh, sort of execution of police officers in Baton Rouge by a lone mm. gunman. And the as tragic as that is, it gets another step of tragedy is that the blame has been sort of assigned by many people to the Black Lives Matter movement for being anti-cop, which is not something I believe that they are. Um, And in a moment where everybody, the whole nation, we had seen Alton Sterling and then just days later, um, Philando Castile, and, and everybody for a moment seemed to be like, Oh, shoot. I mean, maybe there is. I'm sorry, that was a bad term there to say, oh, shoot. But I mean, this is something serious here. The, these two stories yeah. are pretty crystal clear. And everybody was appalled. I mean, that was a sense that I got. People seemed to understand what the Black Lives Matter movement was saying. And then these officers are killed. And now it's undone any progress uh, of the consciousness of people to understand the Black Lives Matter movement, why they're doing it, and what their position is, because now this one movement has caused two lone gunmen to kill police officers. These two gunmen were not part of Black Lives Matter. But, you know, I I don't know if it chills the movement to uh, that degree. The shooting in Dallas is, like, reprehensible. It, it, it was. It's not anything that you ever want to see come out from any side or because of any movement. But what I do think it created was it created outrage on another side, and that outrage has led to conversations about what's really underlying what's what's taking place. So I do feel that there has been a richer conversation brought about as a result of it. You know, we're talking about Blue Lives Matter, we're talking about Black Lives Matter, but I think people are engaging that wouldn't have otherwise engaged. I think while there was outrage about Black Lives Matter, the same people that were exhibiting outrage were the people that cared all along. But now we're getting people coming back about Blue Lives Matter, but having a conversation with people and going how do we stop this violence? What really brought it on? But then you have the people that, you know. Yeah, I just, I, I, to me, the, what the bummer was, it, I, for me, I felt that it moved the movement backwards. Yeah, I, I, I didn't actually have that sentiment because I, I really did feel that we had a day or two of Black Lives Matter. Everyone seemed to be on the same page. Yeah. But I already knew the way the news cycle works and the way people in general tend to work is that these things get forgotten. You know, we forgot things after Trayvon. We forgot things um, after Freddie Gray. You know, we've forgotten things after um, Michael Brown. So we had some small changes, but I don't think we were engaging with each other um, a dialogue about what's taking place in our country. And I I see more of a dialogue happening. To me, it seems a blame. It's a a, a two-sided, you know, you're either for the cops, against the cops, you're either, you know, for Black Lives Matter or against it, which I think is ridiculous because I think a reasonable intellectual person can say, I am 
for the cops, 99.9% of the good cops, and I want somebody to do something to fish out those 1%, 0.01%. I really don't know the the number, but I do know that it's a small number of cops who uh, commit these crimes. Yeah. And... uh, I do think that there are many times that black people are stopped, arrested, mistreated, whether or not they're, you know, disrespectful, maybe in some cases, maybe not in other cases. Sometimes I understand the officer's um, decision to act in a certain way, many times that I don't. So I think you can look at them on a case-by-case basis and see sometimes black lives matter movement is correct about the angle of the police and sometimes the police are correct we can we can see both of those yeah they can both be true and it doesn't have to be one or the other yeah i I think i think we're getting to that point now i think we were missing that part of the conversation because i think a lot of people didn't there was no outrage on the other side so a lot of people were hearing things but letting letting them fall deftly and then the other part that really gets me is that there are people saying Well, it doesn't matter what the police are doing to black uh, lives because black lives are killing other black lives. And that's where the the focus should be, this, you know, black on black crime. Well, if you look at the numbers, the white on white crime is not so impressive either. And it completely misses the point. That's not what the Black Lives Matter movement was about. It was about systemic racism and the killing of black youths and, um, and no justice being had. It wasn't. Here's an officer that killed a white officer that killed a black guy and the white officer went to jail as a result. It was. Here's a white officer killing a black um, a black person for what we believe is no legal reason, and that they are not being prosecuted or sent to jail. So it wasn't just the killing itself; it was the fact that there was no justice afterwards. Right. So, are you hearing in the dialogue now anybody coming up with solutions? I do. I mean, Hillary Clinton has already kind of proposed some sort of national standard for police. Um, oh, I, do tell. Yeah, so it's, that, the latest I heard of is she's proposed some national standards for police and how they deal with people and effect, effectuate stops. And I think you do need some national standards. So at the very least, you can't say, well, here's a lieutenant who wasn't aware of the new policy and let that be an out for not um, convicting them. And so I, 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 to me, I don't know why we haven't had some sort of national standard for our police. Yeah, well, because so many d- departments and states are all like... Let- the decisions be up to the states, the counties, yeah. the cities. And I and I understand, you know, different localities have to operate differently. You know, if I'm living out in swamplands or maybe certain protocols I might have differently than living out in a desert. And I think we do need to leave a lot of that toward different uh, local governments. But I think there needs to be some sort of standard of care nationally that police need to have. I, I, I think by now our psychological testing should be sophisticated enough that we can weed these guys out during... The academy, because some of them come in mm-hmm. with these massive egos already, yeah. and I think you can tell that coming from a mile away. A lot of these people that w- mm. these officers involved in these incidents, they have had long instances of complaints against yeah, them. It, it's a self-selecting profession, so you know if you're someone that feeds off of power and wants to abuse it, that might be where you decide to apply. And so you're going to have naturally more people that apply to that kind of job as opposed to another type of job. But they do need to up their standards of who are we letting into the police force? Um, are there some certain 
mental and psychological reviews that take place every two to four years or six years. Yeah. I mean, these are the, I would imagine yeah. also that the officers, once they're in, they're seeing things, they're experiencing things, the day-to-day grind gets to them. Are we providing them enough support, support yeah. so that they can be of sound mind? Yeah, and even that support where they deal with the community in a very collaborative way. And, um, but, yeah. the, but the problem is that everybody say, well, where's the money for that going to come from? Where's the money? Where's the money? We yeah. have no money. I disagree with that totally because I think there is money. We can pull it from our military. Yeah, we can pull it from corporate welfare. There's lots yeah. of sources of money that could pay for this. Or the job that, you know, is a public profession type of job, maybe tax breaks, tax credits. Like there are things that can be done to incentivize people to join the police force without kind of giving the incentive of here's power, abuse it at, at your whim. Yeah. Oh, man, that was a good idea. Yeah. We, should have, oh. we should call somebody about that. Yeah, so, yeah, it just, it's, it's unfortunate that, um, what we're living in, but I do believe that it's because we have this beautiful tool of social media that's exposing so much of what we did not see. Yeah. So I don't think we're going back by any means. I think we're seeing things we never saw before, and now we're able to collectively kind of move past them, heal them, Find solutions. Except when we have prosecutions like the Freddie Gray. Oh, it's gonna be it's, it's gonna be some time until we get to that like twenty thirty years where we get to a place that we thought we might have been five years ago. Where there's actually fair trials. Yeah, where we thought we were five years ago will truly be another thirty years. Oh man, that's disheartening. But yeah, <laughs> slightly. And you know, this week has been interesting. Mm-hmm. That has been a, a bit of a slower legal yeah. news week, probably because this is the the week of the RNC. Yeah. And uh, it's really fascinating how politics and the law, you know, collide uh, on weeks like this. And so certainly um, any of those those stories, the claims that that people are are Trump is making or that Hillary make about the approach for policing, it will be and our reforms for our justice system will be definitely something we're we're looking for Mm -hmm. to talk about. I haven't heard anything substantive from any of the Trump speeches so far this Mm -hmm. week that are worth, well, anything substantive, yeah. period, much less anything on um, criminal justice reform, policing, except mm-hmm. that, you know, support the police, support the police. Well, I think the first, I think that first debate will start to at least hear from their candidates what they plan to do about this issue, because it's not an issue that's going to go away um, between now and November. And so I, I look forward to hearing some of those uh, detailed plans. Yeah. All right. Me too. Well, I think that uh, brings us to the end of our short but sweet show this week. Thank you for joining us on Justice is Served. Please make sure to like, comment. You can tweet us at uh, me at Chelsea Galicia, Shaka at Shaka Strong. And come back next week for another episode of Justice is Served. From executives Kevin Undergaro, Dario Kristen, Tiana Hobson, and the entire BHL staff, we would like to thank you for supporting Black Hollywood Live, the first online broadcast network dedicated to African-American entertainment. For questions and comments, contact us, info at blackhollywoodlive.com. Like us on Facebook, tweet us, or Instagram us at BHL Online. And I am the official voice of Black Hollywood Live, Scipio, Instagram me, at KingXOBay. Thanks for tuning in. Hollywood Redefined. The views expressed here are those of the hosts only and do not necessarily reflect the views of BHL or its owners or principals. 